Join the party and spirits are playing in your city. God, we're so excited. Eric will be wearing his DMing glove the entire trip. I'm both worried and excited. Seven cities, 10 days at the end of March 2024. Your two favorite podcasts, Join the Party and Spirits, are performing live. We're playing games, rolling dice, making monsters, and a whole lot more. So come see us in Seattle at the Hereafter on March 21st. Minneapolis at Granada on March 22nd. Chicago at Reggie's on March 24th. Boston at the Rockwell on March 25th, New York City at Littlefield March 26th, Philly at City Winery March 27th, and D.C. at Atlas Brewworks on March 28th. Get your tickets right now at jointhepartypod.com slash live. That's jointhepartypod.com slash live. There you can see all the ticket links and find the city that works for you. When you're rolling the bones, your future is looking good. Join us. Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 101, Dia de los Muertos with Trina Espinosa. If we sound very groggly, no, that's not the word, raspy, I suppose. Uh, Amanda is sick and I spent all night screaming last night, so. Are you at a haunted house, Julia? Um, no, I was at a wrestling match. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's one of those activities. two options. Yes. That is so funny. Uh, do you know who I would bring with me if I were going to go to a wrestling match besides my best friend, Julia? I mean, obviously you would bring me, but I think you would also bring all of our new patrons. Absolutely. Stina, Meg, Caitlin, Pockets for Snacks, Eloise, and Jenny. I think they'd be really good at a wrestling match. I don't know. Especially Pockets for Snacks because they bring the snacks. They get it past oh, yeah. security. And now you all have nachos. Oh, yeah. And then after we watch the match, we will go to a bar with our supporting producer-level patrons. Philip, Julie, Christina, Eeyore, Josie, Amara, Neil, Jessica, Ryan, Phil Fresh, and Deborah. And you know who we would run into behind the bar? Our legend-level patrons. Whoa, I can't believe you're here, too. That's wild. Hi, Jess. Hi, Elisa, Zoe, Sandra, Audra, Mercedes, Jack Marie, and Leanne. Wild seeing you here. It's so exciting. We're so glad to see you. Thanks for welcoming us to uh, your bar. Now I want to live in the universe of this fiction. Oh, man. Oh, man. Speaking of wrestling, Amanda, I think I have our recommendation for the week. Oh, what is it? I'm pulling it off the shelf as we speak. So friend of the show, Eric Silver, got me an amazing, an amazing tabletop RPG game for my birthday this year. And I highly recommend it if you are into, for instance, Join the Party, our sister show, Ooh. or if you like just role-playing games or just like to have fun and also think wrestling is cool, definitely check out Worldwide Wrestling. Uh, it's by Nathan D. Paletta, I think is how you pronounce it. It is very cool. If you've ever wanted to be a wrestler, but also like not do cool flips, but do cool flips in your mind, this is a good recommendation. That sounds perfect. Like no physical liability, but adventure. What more could you want? What more could you want in life? Adventure, but no physical harm. I love it. Um, and this week, we also want to sponsor someone that prevents me from uh, inflicting physical harm on my house when I delete files that I need. It's Backblaze, our source for unlimited cloud backup for both Macs and PCs. And you can get a 15-day free trial with all the features at backblaze.com spirits. We are also sponsored this week by Tab for a Cause. They are a very cool browser extension that lets you raise money for charity that doesn't cost you a cent. You just put it on your browser, you browse the web, and you make money for charity on Team Spirits. So sign up now at tabforacause.com spirits. Speaking of things you should do on your computer, why don't you check out 
all of our other shows on Multitude. Multitude Multitude.productions. That's like, we have three other shows on the network besides Join the Party, which I already mentioned. You can also put Multitude into your podcast player right now. You can go and search while you listen. We have Horse, which is basically the best way to experience sports, in my opinion. You don't have to know anything about sports. You can just listen to the drama and the memes and the interesting history behind basketball. It's so good. You know what the best part about horses, Amanda? Um, is it the fact that they have a different fun joke in the title every week and then you have to figure out where the joke comes from? I do love that. That is true. But also, I just like did not care about basketball at all in my entire life before Horse came out. And now I actually give a shit. Yeah, I played basketball for six years. I also didn't care. But now I do. (laughs) Your sister also played basketball, didn't she? I feel like I went to a couple of her games. She did. Much better than me and cared a lot more. But now I care and I can bond with my dad and my grandpa about basketball, which is super fun. Or you can check out Waystation, which is the Lost Girl fan cast that Amanda and Eric do. And also me sometimes. We talk about some mythology and also a lot of uh, bad wigs and character development. So if you like the lens that Julia and I and Eric sometimes put onto mythology, I think you'll like the way that Eric and I talk about this little uh, film and TV critique of a show that is kind of bad, but we really love. Also, if you like bisexual protagonists, nothing is better than Lost Girl. Seriously, there's no more bi protagonist than Bo. And then, of course, you've heard us mention it a million times now, but Potterless, a 26-year-old? Is he 26 now? God damn, yeah. people get older. 26-year-old <laughs> man's journey through the Harry Potter books for the first time. He's closing in on the end of Half-Blood Prince, which is so exciting. He just found out what horcruxes are. It's like watching a baby learn to walk. It's so exciting. It's amazing. It's adorable. And uh, you may hear some familiar voices when we get into Deathly Hallows. So it is a great time to get in on the action on Potterless. That's that's all of our shows. You should also check out Join the Party, like I mentioned before, because um, gay and role-playing and fantasy. Lots of role-playing, lots of fantasy, lots of jokes, uh, an adorable pup. I have an adorable pup in the game. Your pup is so good. And Join the Party is super, super fun. Big stuff coming up on Join the Party. So it is a good time, as always, to get into it. Well, you will hear us introduce our guest when we get into the episode, but this was a really, really fun one. It was so exciting to learn from someone who has a link to this tradition of Day of the Dead um, to teach us all about what that means to her and her family. And it is a super exciting way to spend Halloween, not just eating candy and, you know, scaring children who come up to your porch, um, but learning about how some folks around the world celebrate this time of year in a very different and super meaningful way. Yeah, we're really excited to kind of dig deep into this episode, and our guest is fantastic in doing so. All right, so thank you again to Trina. We hope you enjoy. And now let's get to Spirits Podcast, episode 101, Dia de los Puertos, with Trina Espinosa. We would love to give a huge welcome and thank you to Trina Espinoza, who's joining us. She is Miss Beauty File, a wonderful YouTuber about science and beauty, the science behind cosmetics and, and all kinds of stuff. Welcome, Trina. Thank you so much for inviting me today. It's our pleasure. Absolutely. You're going to teach us about something that I don't know a lot about, which is always exciting for me. Right. Well, it's Halloween time, right? And tonight mm-hmm. you guys might be thinking about going out to a costume party or visiting a haunted house with friends. Or maybe you're the type that likes to stay in and tell scary stories in horror films. But Mm. I bet regardless of how you spend your evening, it's probably going to be doing something scary, right? Sure. 
definitely listeners of our show, members of our community, probably going to plan something creepy, something cool. Yeah, we're a big, uh, we're a big haunted house family over here. So uh, I feel you. <laughs> Wonderful. I enjoy a good scare as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so Halloween has a lot of cultural symbols, right? Like ghosts and goblins, witches, the Grim Reaper. All of these carry the idea that the dead are meant to be feared. And that's perfect for Halloween. But today, what I wanted to do was offer a different take on the holiday. Today, mm-hmm. I wanted to share with you uh, Dia de los Muertos, or Day of the Dead. Oh, I'm very excited about this. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> a really good end to our spookiest month. Right, right. Well, great. So it's a holiday where the dead are meant to be remembered and honored instead of feared. And what's also really important and what gives the holiday meaning to me is that it's about celebrating the lives of the dead here on Earth. And so this holiday, it's celebrated between October 31st and November 2nd. Mm -hmm. And some people go out and they celebrate all three days. Um, Some people only celebrate one. And it's strongly associated with Mexico, though it is celebrated in many other countries, Guatemala, Ecuador, Colombia. It's even celebrated by communities here in the U.S. I don't know. Have you guys participated in any of the day festivities at all? I haven't. I, I can't say that I have any any uh, real experience with it. No, I have some friends who have spoken about it as part of their you know family or their growing up tradition, but um, nothing mm-hmm. myself. I did though Google, and today the thirty first mm-hmm. of October is the first day of Day of the Dead this year. So it sounds <laughs> like we have a really good spooky coincidence. No, we planned this. For <laughs> we totally did. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, my family celebrated it here in the U.S. too. I'm from a Mexican American family, and uh, what was really exciting to me is that the holiday has been made mainstream. In the last few years, thanks to pop culture favorites like Coco, The Book of Life, Grim Fandango, all of those really celebrate um, some of the uh, the artistic symbols of Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah. So, what I wanted to do is just share a little bit about maybe its history. I would love, I'd love a good history lesson. Please, please go Okay, on. <laughs> Take it away. All right, here we go. So the holiday is a combination of two traditions. The first tradition were the festivals of the indigenous. So these were the native populations that resided in Mexico uh, before the Spanish arrived. So in the 1500s, 16th century, uh, they were tribes like the Maya, Toltecs, uh, the Olmecs and the Aztecs, you may have heard of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just a couple of them, you know. Just yes. a few. <laughs> and the second tradition was the tradition of the Spanish conquistadors uh, that had their own Roman Catholic rituals. So let mm-hmm. me dive into some of those. The indigenous tribes, like the Aztecs, they had a harvest festival dedicated to this goddess named Mixteca Suatl. Um, Try to say that three times fast, right? I won't even try. (laughs) (laughs) You can do that for us uh, in this episode in particular. And she was known as Lady of the Dead. And as a quick detour, because this is spirits, and you guys like to dive into the history of different gods and goddesses, this goddess Mm -hmm. in particular had this really interesting backstory. So she was born and sacrificed as an infant, which... Mm. 
apparently wasn't a rare thing <laughs> for the Aztecs. They would do this quite uh, frequently, right, as part of their sacrificing rituals. And uh, this goddess's visual representation uh, is a defleshed body. So she was basically like bones, maybe a little bit of gore. <laughs> a little bit, just a couple Ooh. of intestines, you know. <laughs> exactly. Just a little, yeah, a couple of intestines hanging out. And uh, she had an open jaw, right? And that open jaw was so she could swallow the stars to introduce the day. And so I thought that that was actually quite beautiful. Is that Whoa, That's mm-hmm. so interesting. I love that imagery. Yeah, is that she's the scary person, right? She's the dead, but she has a very imp- important role in life. And you'll start to notice as I talk about Day of the Dead, that theme will sort of continue is that the dead have a role with the living. That's amazing. Yeah, that uh, that image is so resonant with me. Like, I love this idea of, you know, picturing the kind of heavens rotating around. You know, we've seen this like time lapses where it's a camera pointing up at the sky. You can see the stars rotating around. Uh, But I picture that, but instead, like going into a skeleton's mouth. Um, But that's amazing. Like, I can't think of any other examples of like a skeleton in particular being, uh, you know, representative of anything except for like a dead human, like being being elevated to the level of goddess is awesome. That's an interesting perspective, actually. Yeah, I love that. I think that's great, right? Um, that, that she has a role. She has a role in life. So the Aztecs believe that uh, Mixtecoswatl presided over the festivals in honor of the dead. And so that was her significance in um, the ind- indigenous culture. Uh, on the other hand, we have the Spanish conquistadors. Uh, and they also had a tradition for honoring the dead. It was called All Hallowed tide and it's a three-day religious observance and it includes all saints eve and all saints day and so this was a time when they would remember all the saints and martyrs in christian history and then they had a third day because two wasn't enough third day no never (laughs) enough never enough right that was all souls day and that was about remembering the faithfully departed so all the souls of the christians who died okay and I love just like looking like pausing a minute to think about this. Uh, my great grandmother, whose parents were from Germany but grew up in the U.S., uh, actually really loved uh, this whole thing. She celebrated all three, um, and she wasn't particularly. I mean, she was Lutheran, like she wasn't Catholic. So I don't, I don't know what she got the excitement from. But uh-huh. I, I love this idea that we have like yeah, like various saints' days and feast days throughout the year. But this day, All Saints, All Saints Day, it doesn't matter what saint. <laughs> All saints, all you get celebrated. <laughs> like, I just think it's pretty sweet. Was this an Irish grandma, Amanda? No, this is my mom's uh, my mom's grandmother who huh. was Lutheran, um, yeah, with German heritage. So I, I don't know. She really loved Halloween, though. So maybe she just had an excuse to, like, extend her celebration and make it seem like it was, you know, godly when said she was, like, loving, scaring people. She was great. I would love to figure out why that is later. This is great. Thanks for sharing that because it's interesting to hear somebody who has some connection to at least part of the story, right? That's really great. So when the conquistadors arrived in Latin America, they found it really difficult to rid the indigenous of their native rituals. And so they kind of made a compromise. (laughs) What they allowed the indigenous to do was keep some of their rituals, but move them to um, the dates that were in line with the Christian holiday. And so that that seems like something that they would do a lot often. (laughs) Yeah, we see this a lot where they'll either demonize, uh, you know, pre-existing cultures and figures and traditions or somehow like glom them into Christianity. Yeah, we're always excited when the it's like, oh, well, you know, the conquering people uh, had trouble making the other people do what they want. I'm like, good, fucking good. (laughs) You deserve you deserve that problem. (laughs) 
<laughs> you're just walking into someone's house and being like, no, it's mine now. Also, let's move it. Also, I'm changing all of the paint and turning all the furniture upside down. And everyone's like, excuse me? <laughs> well, I think, you know, given, I don't know, that obviously conquering is... Gosh, just a real tough thing in history in general. It is really yep. nice to know that um, the indigenous were able to keep something, right? And mm-hmm. that something still yeah. exists today. I think that's a really powerful message, right? They kept absolutely. They decided to keep and, and reti- retain this tradition. And so the outcome of all this was this hybridized holiday. It was maybe like the first mashup. <laughs> well, I'm sure there was many mashups in history, but this was one of the mashups that happened. It was a holiday that came from both the colonizer and the colonized. And so I think that's what makes this uh, holiday really unique. And that takes me to my personal experience with it because I celebrated this holiday um, growing up. I only celebrated it as one day. Day of the Dead for me was November 2nd. Mm -hmm. And um, we celebrated the deaths of all of my family. So some cultures will separate it into two days. They will celebrate uh, the deaths of children the day before or honor the deaths of children the day before. And then um, on the first and then November 2nd, they will celebrate the adults. Um, But the way that I grew up, we celebrate both of them together. Um, Mm -hmm. And I really loved it for so many reasons. I mean, the first is as a kid, it really helped me process the idea of death. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really important. I grew up being told that uh, by my mother, my mother's from Mexico, and I grew up being told that the dead were all around us and that we weren't supposed to fear that. Uh, They celebrated our successes and they comforted us in our failures. Um, And they were even affronted when we misbehaved. So you can imagine when I did something (laughs) as a little kid, and not only were my parents watching or (laughs) more my parents, not only were my parents disappointed, but, you know, all of my ancestors were too. So (laughs) it was a double bummer. No pressure. No pressure. I really like that, though, because I think it's really important that a culture kind of represents death as something that is a part of life. I feel like a lot of times in Western culture, particularly like white Western culture, we tend to really fear death and we tend to just kind of try and separate as much as possible. The dead is other and therefore frightening, um, which it's, it's always exciting for me to see a culture that does the opposite with that because it's so different from the culture that we grew up in, but also it's seems healthier in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, definitely it felt, um, it just felt very eye-opening. I think it, um, it made me feel like I had more of a relationship with the dead and compared mm-hmm. to a lot of my peers when I was younger, um, you know, who lost grandparents or other family members. Um, I noticed that there was a difference between um, maybe some of what I experienced versus um, some of what they experienced. I felt like it was a little bit more, um, maybe at times more limited. Uh, grief seemed very personal and very focused on the pain of those, you know, of those that weren't dead. Um, And it just felt very like intensely private and something you couldn't really share with others. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so for me, I think that is what I enjoyed about this was I felt um, that it was very inclusive. We all die, right? So we can all relate. Absolutely. Yeah, that reminds me a lot of the work of um, Caitlin Dottie, who does the YouTube channel Ask a Mortician. Oh my goodness. Um, I'm so glad you mentioned her. I just heard about her the other day. I had someone else tell me about her. I've been checking out her channel and binging on it ever since (laughs) yesterday. Yeah, she is incredible. Um, And she is a, a mortician who talks a lot about not just like the science and industry of death, but also, you know, obviously it has a big impact on people and culture as well. Um, And so one of the things that she mentioned that I never thought about before is how um, privatized uh, death has gotten, where, you know, when when people die, like their bodies are dealt with by professionals, you know, and 
everything is just very clinical. Um, and part of that is the rise of like understanding medicine and, mm. and you know, and, and not wanting to be, you know, completely like next to someone in your house who just succumbed to an illness, but also it's led to, you know, people mourning in private or not talking about it or not dealing with it or, you know, trying to, to just move on as quickly as possible instead of traditions of mourning that take place for several days or in the house or just kind of death rituals that, that give people a little bit more space um, to, to deal with that. So I'm really curious, Trina, what the Day of the Dead celebrations looked like uh, when you were growing up. It's a period of bonding with um, family and friends, and that's something that certainly happened in my household. It was um, private in the fact that we didn't do it publicly per se, um, but we did invite a lot of family and friends over. And what we would do is we would sit around the table and talk about our loved ones. And what I really liked about it is that the conversations would take on a humorous tone, um, which um, sounds kind of awkward, but in some ways, um, it was kind of a refreshing perspective on um, on death. So we would remember a person's individualism and quirks, and it was just a nice reminder that we're all imperfect and that imperfections can be quite beautiful. Uh, an example of this was my um, aunt Jeannie. Uh, she passed away uh, a few years ago, and she really did not like dogs. <laughs> and unfortunately, mm -hmm. we were a family with lots of dogs, and uh, we didn't know when she was going to stop. And so we always had the dogs around and she would come by and she would come into the house and she would see the dogs and the dogs would approach her and she would hop around on her feet like she was walking across hot coals because she didn't want the dogs <laughs> to touch her. <laughs> And so every time we recall her life, we have this funny memory of her like hopping around and freaking out because of the dogs. And it just makes us smile and it makes us laugh. And I think those are the kind of stories that really we relish, right? The things that just make us human and that mm -hmm. make life, you know, kind of beautiful. And so it's not uncommon to tell stories like that about people and just reconnect with them. Um, and um, with that said, everybody does celebrate Day of the Dead a little bit differently, though. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, we celebrated it around um, the kitchen table um, and we would um, kind of have discussions. Um, but some people actually go out and they celebrate it publicly, right? They have processions. Um, they have um, like exhibitions sometimes. Um, sometimes it happens in cemeteries. So it can happen all over. Um, it might be good for me to talk about some of the day uh the dia de los muertos symbols um just so you can kind of picture maybe a little more about what the day would be like absolutely yeah okay so we have something called the ofrenda right and that is an altar and we basically put it together a few days before and um the ofrenda uh, the altar is not for worship though uh the idea is is that it is used as a guide right to help our uh, loved one souls travel from the land of the dead to the land of the living this altar is multi-tiered um so it'll have usually a level that represents heaven and earth or heaven earth and um, the underworld. <laughs> and um, what we do is we decorate it with a bunch of different symbols. And so um, some of these ofrendas will be in homes and cemeteries, but you could also find them in public spaces like museums and schools now. Um, oh. they're, de they're decorated with um, photos of the deceased, uh, their favorite foods or drinks, and some of their favorite belongings. And so it's a nice way to, I guess, 
customize your ofrenda and make it personal uh, for the people who've passed. Other traditional things that we do is we have like pan de muerto. Do you guys know what that is? No, I have no idea no. what that is. Okay, so pan de muerto is actually bread of the dead. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Which, that makes sense. I love it. <laughs> Which probably sounds a little dark, but it's actually really good. Um, and it's, I don't know, I really enjoy it. It's sweet bread that's dusted with like granulated sugar. And mm-hmm. the bread is molded uh, with bones and little skulls on top. So they're actually, they're, they're quite cute. I like them. That sounds adorable, <laughs> actually. Yeah. <laughs> I think they should be at Julia's wedding. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And sometimes there will be uh, tiny little uh, dough teardrops, actually, on the top of the bread as well to symbolize sorrow. And so they're they're really meaningful. Um, the idea behind this is that the dead, when they're traveling, um, they can, you know, get, they're hungry when they arrive and they can get nutrition from their own dead bread. And so um, sometimes you'll have that out. Um, sugar skulls uh, will also be put out. Uh, those are made out of like a granulated sugar um, and you put them into molds and then you unmold them later and you put icing on them and you decorate them all colorful and really nice. And they can vary in size um, from maybe the size of a quarter to mm. the size of an actual human skull. <laughs> yes. Wow. And as I'm describing this, I think I just had an Etsy moment where I was like, oh, my God, wouldn't it be cute to have little skulls that are um, like sugar cubes? <laughs> I feel like they make those. I'm not entirely sure, but I feel like they might. <laughs> Darn. Here I thought I was the originator. <laughs> hey, listen, you can still make them. There's plenty of stuff on Etsy that's multiple multiple sellers all make different stuff. but. <laughs> Well, um, so they have the sugar skulls and they're very popular. They're something that I really like to make um, with my siblings. And some cultures will even actually put uh, the name of the deceased person on Mm. the forehead of the skull uh, just to make it extra personal. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Now, I want to go back to something that you you said before um, about the uh, souls of the dead being hungry. And that's why the the bread of the dead feeds them. Is that Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Okay. Uh, so that that makes it seem like uh, death is very physical um, in this aspect. Can you can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because like, there's a lot of different cultures that have uh, like physical like afterlives, like similar to the Egyptians and stuff like that. So I'm always curious as to like spiritual death versus physical death. So I think that we could talk a little bit of that about that for a second. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting um, comment. And to be quite honest, I don't know the answer. Um, I think that um, there's a lot of, uh, what is it, like the dead takes on a lot of um, personification, right? Like they seem Mm -hmm. to have human attributes. I mean, certainly nobody's expecting them to actually like, we don't. Uh, expect them to take like chomps out of the bread. <laughs> like it's sure. not like that. But I think it's just like the idea of spiritual sustenance. Okay. Right. And the fact that um, everybody wants to be wanted and everybody wants to be welcomed and remembered. Right. I think we, uh, a lot of us, you know, humans have that aspect to us uh, that we want to. I mean, that's the whole idea of, you know, doing something great in life. Right. Is that, you mm-hmm. know, we want to be good people and be remembered for what we do. And so I think that there's this idea that, um, you know, we want to entice them to come back. And so right. we bring uh, give them spiritual nutrition and things that they need to get here. Um, okay. So yeah, I think it's a little bit in line with that. Yeah, I think maybe uh, maybe something like the act of making the bread is a spiritual act in a way. And so mm. that's what nourishes the, the spirit as it comes back to the land of the living, I suppose. 
Right, right. And and I think that that's true. I mean, I think, you know, all of these things that we do are just very, um, they're about interpersonal experiences, right? You share it with yeah. your family members and your close friends. Um, and I think that that is, uh, I know it's, it's a spiritual moment for me, certainly. I mean, it does seem mm-hmm. outwardly like it's just this holiday yeah. with all of these fun things. Um, but for me, it's incredibly meaningful. Um, yeah. Also, going back to, as I mentioned earlier, uh, when we put photos of the deceased up, um, you know, that's something that we do every year. And when you bring out some of the person's uh, favorite belongings, um, it can get very emotional. Um, you know, for oh, my grandmother's absolutely. for my grandmother's passing, you know, we put out uh, this piece of jewelry that she always used to wear. Uh, we have an aunt that used to like to dance. And so we put out uh, – she actually – she loved ballerinas. as uh, She discovered it later in life and was just absolutely fascinated uh, with it. And so we put out um, some of her, uh, she actually has a little, um, like a ballerina figurine, and we would put that out for her. And so when you bring these things out every year, uh, you start to really feel the memories coming back. And it is this really like visceral experience. Yeah, I imagine so. And a lot of the, the kind of physical aspects of this holiday that you mentioned are really communal activities, like mm-hmm. making, like baking bread, you know, or making food or going, um, you know, shopping and like buying decorations or candles or whatever you're going to use that really appeal, um, you know, to your memory of that person, which I think is really lovely. I mean, like thinking, think about, you know, decorating your house for someone's birthday party or like baking someone a birthday cake. Like those are the examples that come to mind um, because they're really loving acts and they, you know, they really are you taking like time out of your day and thinking about somebody and doing something really special just for them. So it, it makes complete sense to me that, you know, from the outside, the Day of the Dead celebrations and birthday parties have a lot in common. Yeah, no, it's great that you pointed that out because it is, you're right, about, it's part of it is the process, right, and making all of these mm-hmm. things and participating. So a lot of it is is the lead up to in addition to the day itself, right? <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. So some of the other cultural symbols that we have are um, papel picado. Um, you might see these in Mexican restaurants. They're the paper cutouts. Um, and sometimes they'll have um, kind of like little scenes on them or little patterns. Uh, these actually aren't limited to Day of the Dead. Uh, they, they're also around during Christmas time. Um, but during the Day of the Dead holiday specifically, they represent uh, the fragility of life. Right. If you've seen these like um, very thin papers, they kind of blow in the wind and they just look mm-hmm. very delicate and reminds us just how fragile life is. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. <laughs> I think so too. And then um, also there's these interesting symbols. Um, remember I talked about the holiday being one of two cultures, right? And so sometimes you'll see indigenous symbols and Catholic symbols. And I think one of the interesting things about being like Mexican-American is that we're kind of like these this fusion of two in some cases, conflicting things. And so um, for indigenous symbols, you'll see things like marigolds. Um, sometimes you'll see shells and also what they call copal incense. Um, it's like a it's a tree resin that they burn and it gives a smell. Um, and a lot of these are really to appeal to the senses of the spirits, right? So, you know, the marigolds mm. you can see because they're just very like um, – orange, yellow in color, almost golden. And you could hear the shells, um, the copal incense. You could also smell those. Um, so it really is about um, kind of like appealing to the senses. Um, and then we have more Catholic symbols too, uh, like rosary beads, uh, Virgin Mary candles, cru- crucifixes. All of those have uh, been present on our um, own family altar. So, Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, especially the, the sensory um, grounding 
that's really amazing to me too. Almost like picturing like the dead kind of floating by or being ambient. And yet it's this perfect concoction of, you know, smells and sounds and tastes um, that appeal to them. Yeah, the physicality of it all. Yeah, that that help, you know, to anchor and to bring them back. Also, I imagine they're really evocative of memory. Like my grandfather, uh, who passed a few years ago, like ate Werther's caramel candies every day. <laughs> and every time I see them in a store, I think of him, you know, and, and I imagine, as you said earlier, Trina, that having this kind of like beautiful collage and collection, um, you know, of not just physical items that belongs to that person, but ones that remind you of them um, and smells and sounds, you know, um, must be really like overwhelming and lovely. Yeah, talk about getting the tear ducts going, right? Like <laughs> when yeah. you do get like all uh, the entire 360 experience, shall we, say, shall we say, yes, it does get quite emotional. So Jules, last episode uh, in our Fay extravaganza, I talked about briefly uh, St. Anthony, which is the Catholic saint of lost things. Um, and my mom and dad always told me when I would lose something to pray to St. Anthony and hope that I found it. Um, mm-hmm. Often that would work. But you know what that doesn't work for? Your computer stuff. My computer stuff, where uh, when I lose an important file or, say, an episode of Spirits or uh, photos that are meaningful to me, often there is nothing you can do to get those back because the computer overwrites it and, like, on you go. Um, That's not true, though, if you have Backblaze. So Backblaze is an app that gives you unlimited cloud backup for Macs or PCs at just $5 a month. That is actually unlimited. It doesn't matter how many things you have on your computer. It will upload all of them to the cloud, docs, music, photos, videos, whatever you have, uh, all the data for just five bucks a month. And you can restore the files anywhere you are. So if you are traveling, you can download them on the web. Or if it's really, really big stuff, they'll actually send you a physical hard drive with your stuff on it. Dang. Yeah. And they have restored over 30 billion files for people. That is no joke. Um, So if you have a computer, (laughs) you need Backblaze, period. There is no better way to back up your stuff and keep your important things safe. Backblaze.com slash spirits will get you a fully featured 15-day free trial. So hop on there, download it, try it out, and see what you think. Yeah, I know there are people out there in the world that just have the worst luck with computers. Just just awful. So I think if you are one of those people who experiences the true dread of losing something on your computer that you know you need and you know you don't want to lose, definitely check out Backblaze. 15-day free trial at backblaze.com spirits. I was a customer long before they sponsored the show, but I'm so glad they are because this is something that I can recommend to any person out there, and I know that you will enjoy having it. Do you know what I also recommend to people, Amanda? Is it getting something for nothing and raising money for charity for doing literally nothing except for being on your computer? Isn't that like the best feeling? Isn't that the best feeling? I feel like it's so good. I feel like every time I open a new tab and I see tab for a cause, I feel like it's one more point going to the good place. Oh, that's very sweet. I, I totally think that's true. I know. Absolutely. So tab for a cause is a browser extension that shows you a pretty photo, which is a definite plus when you open a new tab and an ad and it helps raise money for a charity. So all you have to do is just download it, 
do your thing on the internet, and you're raising money for a good cause. Every time you open a new tab, you raise money for a good cause. And that's the simplest thing in the world. The ads are not obnoxious. The photos are genuinely really pretty, and it doesn't take up a lot of bandwidth on your computer. I know that I have a uh, 2011 MacBook Air, and uh, she is struggling along, but tab for a cause does not impact her performance at all. Um, And it's something that, again, just little thing running in the corner, knowing that no matter how many times I open up um, a certain Instagram account to look at cute animals, I am raising money for charity. It's so great. And if you're like me, where you just have a million tabs open open at all times, it makes me feel like less of a bad <laughs> unorganized person and more like I'm, I'm raising so much money. So let's see how much money Team Spirits can raise between now and the end of the year. I know it's only two months, only two months until the end of the year. Yeah. Hot dang. So go to tabforacause.com slash spirits, download Tab for a Cause and start raising money for charity right now right now. And we'll report back at the end of the year to see how much money Team Spirits has raised for charity. So join us and start clicking today at tabforacause.com slash spirits. And now let's get back to the show. And so there are also um, things outside of the altars as well. Um, And ones that most people are familiar with are the kalakas. These are skeletons or skulls. A kalaka is actually a skull, but it's kind of like extended to skeletons as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And you'll see them. They'll be cut out. They'll be drawn. They'll be made of paper mache. People will dress like them. Uh, (laughs) It's a ubiquitous symbol of Day of the Dead is skulls. And um, what you'll notice about these skulls, too, is that they're pretty joyous figures. So everybody, all, all the skulls are pretty happy. Um, they wear festive clothing. They dance. They play musical instruments. Um, and although skeletons and skulls have been around since the origin of the Day of the Dead, the more popular depictions of skeletons uh, dressed in European clothing, uh, which you'll see a lot of on Day of the Dead, those didn't come around until around 1910. Okay. That's pretty late, huh? It is very late when you think about it. Yeah. So I think uh, the Day of the Dead as we know it now um, was something that, you know, kind of started to evolve in like the last hundred years or so, right? And um, there was this printmaker named Jose Guadalupe Posada, and he wanted to make a social commentary about the Mexican aristocrats. Uh, There was a, uh, the Mexican uh, aristocracy, they were known as the Catrins, right? Um, And Mm. So what he did was he etched these elegant skeletons in European clothing um, onto ah. mm-hmm, uh, what he did. Yeah, he etched these skeletons as a way of saying, despite our vanities, we will all one day turn to dust. That's totally fair. That's amazing. And <laughs> it's, it's not great, wrong. Like, class commentary. Yeah. Right. And so it's interesting that uh, Day of the Dead is being used for social commentary right as well and that uh these skeletons they have a lot of meaning um you know not only do they symbolize the dead but they symbolize a lot of conflict right there is the conflict of social classes right um of being wealthy versus being poor and ultimately the fact that you know we all die in the end and so i think in that respect the uh skulls and skeletons serve as something humbling Um, And there's also this aspect of us that is um, kind of like about identity, uh, where, you know, uh, Mexicans are a combination of the indigenous and uh, the Spanish conquerors, right? That's how it all happened. And so also um, just a reminder um, there as well, right, is to like, um, I guess, be balanced with both sides and not to surrender too much to one or the other. 
Huh. For sure. And so um, people celebrate this um, differently. I mentioned that uh, my family celebrates it one way. Uh, if you go to Mexico, they celebrate it another. And if, even if you go to different regions in Mexico, they will all celebrate it differently. Uh, so I thought it would be fun to highlight how some of the people celebrate Day of the Dead, uh, just so you can kind of get a sense of the variety. Heck yeah. Give me those local <laughs> traditions. Do it up. <laughs> All right. So in Pascuero, which is in central Mexico, people get into these wooden fishing boats. And these fishing boats have these wing nets, so they sort of look like butterflies. And mm-hmm, it's pretty cool, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just really excited already. I love boats and water, so you're, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> And so they'll carry candles onto the boats, and what they'll do is they will paddle over to the island of Hanisio at uh, dusk, and they'll have an all-night vigil there. And so, and then in Tuxtepec, right, which is a village in the southern part of Mexico, they'll create something called sawdust rugs. <laughs> Let me explain okay. that. <laughs> They're basically arrangements of colored sawdust. Uh, they have petals, rice, pine needles, and all other sorts of materials that they use to make rug-like patterns. And they make these patterns in the streets. And so they're used to also signal the dead home. And so that's, you know, a, a really interesting approach. I hear it's quite beautiful. I've actually never gotten an opportunity to see it, but I would love to one day. That sounds absolutely gorgeous. You're right. <laughs> That's amazing. And there is a tradition in Guatemala, which is in Central America, uh, where they celebrate by making these really large kites. And they're probably like 20 or 30 feet wide, um, maybe even larger. So they don't really get off the ground very well. <laughs> <laughs> but they are quite um, beautiful. And it's, again, to serve as like a visual symbol uh, to bring the dead home. And I believe in, uh, the way the Guatemalans celebrate it too is they will have smaller um, kites as well that they'll fly into the skies for Day of the Dead um, in addition to the larger kites. And then one that I found really interesting but also very touching in some ways is in Pamush. This is um, a village on the southern tip of Mexico. And some of the villages there will um, even exhume the bodies of uh, their loved ones uh, after they've been buried for three years. Um, wow. And they'll carefully clean their bones. Yeah, so they'll exhume them, um, uninturn them, and then you know dust off their bones and clean them, and then put them back in when they're done. <laughs> That's no, I love that. That is so interesting to me. Me too. My um, my dad's parents have both passed away, and and my grandmother um in particular, her uh grave has like beautiful like hedges around it. Um, and so we would go really frequently, or on Mother's Day, or on her birthday, and uh, trim the hedge. And it always felt some like some aspect of like doing manual labor and cleaning up, uh, and just like making it lovely and leaving you know leaving it better than we found it um, to me, even though I, I didn't know her, like made me feel connected to her. And so this is like such a, a beautiful extension and, and like escalation of that idea. I, I can only imagine how, you know, meaningful that is and how it gives someone something to look forward to, or at least kind of, you know, mark and honor the times past in grieving. Right. I also think it's really interesting because it like physically embraces the like what happens to you when you die it physically like yeah. understands oh okay this is what is going to happen to our bodies even if our spirits have moved on oh for sure yeah um amanda when you mentioned um taking care 
of um, or you know maintaining uh, your like your family's gravesite. Um, that's something that's also a part for uh, a part of uh, Day of the Dead for some cultures, right? In Mexico, um, what they'll do is they'll go to the cemeteries and they will actually uh, clean the grave sites as well. So that's something uh, a tradition, I guess, that both cultures have in common, right? Yeah. Is mm-hmm. that they do this. Yeah. Uh, the way that I grew up in the U.S., uh, we would go to the cemetery, but um, I think because of uh, the way cemeteries here are more manicured, that wasn't necessarily a part of what we did. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, we did, you know, certainly spend time in, you know, with the um, at the gravesite, um, kind of just, you know, hanging out and being there and being present. Um, I think if anything, it's a it's a it's good to go and just, you know, remember. Right. And, and be present. For sure. And so that really um, got me thinking a lot because um, I learned in the process of doing this episode is that there is a tradition in Halloween as well of remembering the dead. And I had no idea. I would have never known mm-hmm. that had I not um, started researching a little bit for this episode. Um, it turns out that uh, for Halloween, there was a component where um, souls were said to revisit homes during Halloween and seek hospitality. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, it's a tradition uh, for uh, Samhain, I believe. Yes, right, right. And um, which is interesting because... I guess what we hear about now more is the tradition of wearing costumes and repre- you know that represents spirits. Um, mm-hmm. So you never really get to hear the other side of this. Um, and what I also learned is that families would set a place at the dinner table or by the fire to welcome their return. So a sort of homecoming, if you will. Mm-hmm. Huh. I have this. I have this uh, narrative in my head that there may be an origin to Halloween costumes where people would try to disguise themselves in case vengeful spirits came back at this moment when the sort of like veil between worlds was at its thinnest. Mm-hmm. Did I completely make that up? Julia, um, do you have any idea kind here? Kind of. So the, uh, the thing with Samhain was um, the dressing would occur because you wanted to like see if your neighbors had done the like hostly thing for their deceased relatives. Um, and so you would dress up like as a spirit and show up to your neighbor's door and be like, hey, did you save a place for, you know, so-and-so at your table? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> ah, so cool. I, I love Halloween. <laughs> it's interesting to hear that there are these traditions in Halloween as well. And it really made me wonder a little bit about um, kind of Dia de los Muertos and the direction that it's going in uh, because it's becoming more popular and also it's that people are starting to celebrate it. Um, It's becoming mainstream in some sense. And I wonder over time if it's going to be more like Halloween, right? Um, Because, you know, obviously there were these traditions that Halloween had, right, in honoring the dead. And um, although it sounds like some people – you know, still know about that. Obviously, the more popular one is dressing up in costumes. And for Day of the Dead, we have a tradition of dressing up like skeletons too, right? So for those who celebrate the, um, those who celebrate like the processions and um, kind of like the more public displays will dress up as skeletons. And so part of me wonders, I don't know, in, you know, 50 years, will this be like, in some sense, will this merge into Halloween? And I don't quite know yet. I wonder... It's hard. I I don't know. I'm trying to think of kind of a way to discuss this in a way that's sensitive without being like, you know, people like to white people like to culturally appropriate things that they find suddenly to be beautiful. I mean, I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't I mean, I don't want to make Trina, you know, I don't want to ask you to speak to something that you aren't prepared to speak to. But um, I, I, I don't know. 
it was something that I certainly I, I just was fascinated by the idea of it, and it's interesting to see where it's going. I know for me personally, I really like that other people celebrate Day of the Dead. I think it's great that a lot of people find meaning in this holiday, and um, you know, like I said earlier, you know, we all you know we all will die eventually, and I feel like if people see it as uh, as an outlet, as a way to um, kind of uh, you know manage their grief, remember old ones, whatever it is, I think that um, that's really important, and I'm glad that this holiday can be around for it. Um, also, because I feel like. Uh, this is a holiday that is just um, the contribution of many things. I feel that uh, it can continue to evolve and change, and I'm okay with that to a certain degree. I think mm -hmm. for me personally, as long as it keeps its sentiment, that's really what matters <laughs> to me, right, is that um, it still has some meaning um, that I certainly can tie it in. Um, just to my memories of family still, I think. It's, it's like uh, Christmas, for example, right? Yeah, in my sure. in my opinion, you know, um, you have the two camps at Christmas. Uh, one group saying, "Oh my goodness, it's so commercialized. I can't stand it anymore." Right, and then you have this other camp that still finds meaning in it. And maybe the answer is is that it really comes down to kind of your own personal experience and what you make of it. You know, um, sometimes it will be a commercialized thing, but if you kind of take time to honor the traditions, you know, and um, kind of like, you know, remember the dead and all that, then I think it could be a different experience, something that still is meaningful or retains, you know, retains, um, retains a value for the heart. Yeah. And a big part of why we do this show uh, is to learn about how people deal with, think about, tell stories about the world and how they have done so throughout time. Mm -hmm. um, but it always like we can't help but making ties back to, you know, our personal like lives and circumstances and challenges and, you know, joys. I love that different traditions, you know, challenge me to ask how I can better, you know, honor things in my life or better make space for me to, you know, mark the changing of seasons or to deal with, you know, loss or my own heritage or death. Right. I mean, for me, I think what was impactful after researching for this was uh, that there is a lot of things that unite us, right? I mean, um, this holiday comes out of um, indigenous culture. Um, Samhain, right, um, comes out of um, the Celtic culture, right? And yet, you know, uh, I see a lot of similarities right, in the history. And I think, if anything, it, it made me feel that something that I thought maybe just my family celebrated when I was younger, um, uh, because it wasn't popularized when I was younger. So I thought this was something only my family did. And in fact, I remember a particular mm -hmm. situation where I had um, some friends coming home from school, and they see an altar in your home, and they think you worship the dead, <laughs> right? <laughs> so sometimes it seems like... Um, you know, a, a clash of cultures or something that maybe only you celebrate. Um, but I felt that uh, what I learned through this is that really there's a lot of things that unify us. And like you said, um, a lot of cultures are figuring out how to, uh, you know, address death and they do it, you know, they do it in their own ways, but you'll find like these threads, right? With th these threads of commonality. And, uh, and I think that that was really meaningful to me. Yeah, I mean, isn't it a, uh, a sort of like, schlocky phrase that like 
underneath it all we're all human like (laughs) everyone has a skeleton down below and it's all the rest of the stuff that gives life meaning and makes life beautiful and you know this is not to like erase people's difference whatsoever but it it is I think not a coincidence it sounds like that it's you know skeletons and the kind of like boil you know people down to what remains and Mm -hmm. that is one of the only things that you can use as a kind of unifying image um so that I don't know it's gonna make me think a little bit differently about skeletons when I see them uh you know out and about in the world mm-hmm. do you see a lot not of walking around out in the world? not walking around Julia right. no like on on banners and medical skeletons <laughs> <laughs> I'm just checking I'm worried about your life if you're seeing skeletons on the reg oh no I would definitely open up the episode by telling you about the skeletons that I saw that week skeleton watch well I mean at least I guess this way you know it's just to present I guess a different side right a different side um, to the Halloween and to the skeleton right and uh, what that symbolizes certainly Um, and if you want to participate in Day of the Dead this year um, since it is Halloween you still have a few days it's not until November 2nd and so um, if that's something you're you're interested in participating in uh, you can certainly look online because there are a lot of public celebrations right in especially like metropolitan areas now so Mm. um, i'm sure that you can find something and it seems like the community is very welcoming um anything from like i said processions or um like museums will have something it's become a big way to showcase um mexican art um so that is uh something that's available to you as well that is a great suggestion. Um, Trina, thank you so much for coming and telling us this really personal, um, you know, story and tradition um, that you and your family share. So we very, very much appreciate it. And what a lovely way to close out maybe our favorite month um, of the year and certainly of the podcast. Mm-hmm. But we really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you so much. It was a pleasure being here and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Uh, would you like to plug your stuff one more time just for the listeners to remind them what you're doing? Oh, okay. Yes. Um, so I usually run a website called MissBeautiful.com. It's actually also a YouTube channel, and I talk about the science behind beauty. Absolutely gorgeous. Thank you so much, Trina. Um, and remember, listeners, to stay creepy. Stay cool. Thanks again to Backblaze and Tab for a cause for sponsoring the show this week. Get a 15-day free trial of Backblaze, your source for unlimited cloud backup at backblaze.com slash spirits. And Tab for a Cause is a free browser extension that lets you earn money for charity as you do your thing on the web. So join Team Spirits and help us raise some money before the end of the year at tabforacause.com slash spirits. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just one dollar gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.